As Rocio was reading the introduction to the Mass today, a thought popped into my head. I haven't thought about it for 45, 50 years, I guess. But one of my college professors at the seminary, a priest, used to say this. He used to love to say this. He says, uh, if, nobody will ever say to you, I think I'm kind of pregnant. You either are or you're not. You can't be kind of pregnant. And in a similar way, he would say, you know, you don't kind of say, yes, Lord, I, I think I'll follow you, or one day I'll follow you. It's now or never. Just do it. And today, these scriptures, typical scriptures in that, they say things in a provocative way, in an exaggerated way, sometimes in a, almost a feeling of a gross way. Again, as Rocio read in the introduction, uh, Jesus' response to the person that says, uh, let the dead bury the dead. When the man says, I'll follow you, but let me first go bury my father. His father just died. And, he, and Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom now. Whoa. I would say at the very least, it was insensitive, as Rocio read. But at the worst, it was just downright rude. What a thing to say to somebody who's mourning the loss of their father. Let the dead bury the dead. You just go and proclaim the kingdom. But the gospel writers... They didn't have advantage of the movies, you know, where you could have a, a burst, you know, or the sun blow up or something like that, all these special effects. Their special effects were words and challenging ideas. And, and, and often they would say things I am convinced in the most exaggerated way to make the point, to get us to see that a, an important question is being asked and an important answer has to come up. So we get two examples uh, of being called to follow, both Elijah calling Elisha and Jesus calling others to follow him. And uh, in all the cases, there's some hesitancy. There's a yes, but. I will, but. And Jesus says it's unacceptable because, you know, we can keep saying but. We can have a, a but every day, uh, an excuse uh, not to really do it. And in the second reading, we get this, this wonderful, I think, explanation for where we have to hear that call. It's deep in the spirit. Um, Paul likes to use this language of the flesh and the spirit. And, and he doesn't mean just this flesh, although he means that too. But this flesh represents all the ways that uh, things come to us, our desires, our passions, our wants, what we think are our needs. And they get in the way sometimes of the more important responses that we need to make in life. I think like parents, if these little kids here, you know, they don't have time for the flesh in their life. You know, I really want that new dress. Oh, she can go out without a bottle for a week. Hello. No, it's, it's, it's about serving those kids because they need you. You don't get caught up in the flesh. You're deep in your spirit, you know what you got to do. And they come first. So... Uh, Paul is saying, you know, Jesus Christ has freed us. He has freed us to live in the Spirit. We don't have to be slaves of the flesh. We are free to live in the Spirit. And I say he proved that many times, but most of all right there. I'm convinced this has just become, for me, the mark of Christianity like it never has before in the last couple of years. Every time I look at the cross, it's so obvious to me where it was obvious before but not so obvious and the so obvious nature is what Jesus said and did as he's hanging there 
And, and we need to look at that cross often and get it. After all that he had done, and even in the, in the, the, the gospel today, on his way to Jerusalem, by the way, to die, that's where he was going, on his way to Jerusalem, he went through a Samaritan village, and the Samaritan's Jews didn't care for each other very much at all. In fact, the story would be that if you were walking this way, you had to get over here, but there was a Samaritan village in the way. It'd be better to walk all the way around it. Don't even put your toe in their territory. That's how gross they felt about each other. And so when the Samaritan village didn't receive Jesus because they heard, oh, he's going to Jerusalem, and that just was an insult to them. He's just passing through us to get to where he really wants to be, Jerusalem. And so they rejected any kind of a real invitation. And this is what happens. Another proof of Jesus and who he really was. The disciples said, should we call, down, call on God to rain down fire from heaven and consume them, destroy them, kill them all? And it says Jesus turned and rebuked them. He rebuked his disciples. He put them in their place. We don't come to destroy and kill. That's not who we are. And then from that scene, we move into these calls of people to follow. And, and people said all kinds of things to Jesus. You know, went up, I'll follow you wherever you go. I'll do anything you ask. And he says, the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. Get that. He's inviting them into a kind of an insecurity. But then he called others, and they had their reasons, excuses, whatever, to bury the dead, have to kiss my parents goodbye. And in each case, he just says, no, come now. Say yes. Give all. I'm not looking for half-hearted answers. When he hung on that cross, after all the rejection that he suffered, uh, they stripped him, they beat him, they spit on him, they put a, a crown of thorns deep into his head, they nailed him to the cross after he carried the cross, they lifted him up the cross to die. And, and I don't know about you, but, but I know what my feelings would be. I wouldn't be loving them. And by loving them, I'm not talking about Valentine's Day love with chocolates and super kisses. To love means that you care about them and you only want good for them. It doesn't mean you want to have pizza with them. So Jesus is hanging on the cross, and of all the reactions he could have had, I hate you, how could you do this to me after all I've given to you, God will punish you, I'll see you all in hell, has any list of things he could have said, but as he's hanging there, he says, Father, forgive them all. They know not what they do. The way I like to see it is, 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 is they're pouring out all this hatred on him, and he, and he, as if he was saying, you can hate me, you can spit on me and strip me and beat me and you can kill me, but you cannot make me hate you back. I won't. Father, forgive them all. They know not what they do. Now that's freedom. You might say it's crazy. Maybe it is a little crazy, but it's freedom. To be able to love regardless of what somebody else does to you or doesn't do to you. And Jesus is inviting us into that. It's, it's nothing that we can live perfectly every moment of the day. I mean, we are flesh. But when we focus on and open up our spirit to our God and to the truths that Jesus gives to us in the Gospels, there's an invitation to live something else, to live something more, to discover a spirit, a life that, that is life-giving.
And that's why I think we come here each week. And quite frankly, I think I'm speaking to the choir because I, I dare say there probably isn't one person in this church unless they're very, very tiny, but even them, they may have already been conditioned by mommy and daddy. There's probably not one person here who ever goes one full day without turning to God for something, turning to Jesus for something. Even, even, even people that never come to church, I watch them as they go by and they cross themselves as they cross in front of the church. There's, there's just something. It's almost like in our DNA if, if we've opened ourselves to faith in any way. But I think that in this gospel today and in the scripture, Jesus is inviting us to something a little bit more, to be a little bit more explicit, to say, yes, I follow you now, Lord. Open my heart to you. Fill me with your spirit. Give me your light. Give me your truth. Draw me out of my darkness. I want to follow you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my life.